Hello and welcome to In The Mix, the podcast all about the Great British Bake Off. Now, we're quite a way through the season already this year, but we've come to the most important moment in a Bake Off fan's calendar. It is Bread Week. And I'm excited for two reasons. Firstly, because it's Bread Week and Paul Hollywood gets a little bit arrogant. But secondly, I have a brand new guest on the podcast today, someone I've wanted to get on for a very long time. So I'm excited about that. It's Chris Craddock. Hello. Hello. I feel like you are a bit of a foodie like me. Uh, Yes. I've, yes, seen, I've seen you upload various pictures of burgers and beers and cakes and things that you eat on Instagram. So you're, you're that far into the foodie type camp. Yeah, I only eat on Instagram. That is, that's how deep into this foodie world I am. If it's not on the gram, I'm not eating food. You can always do that. <laughs> but one of the other things I wanted to bring up is despite the fact that you're really into food, I feel like this gives an accurate portrayal of, of who you are. You're really into food, but also the other day you managed to do a marathon just for fun not not just for fun not just for fun i think context is king here okay. uh, I, I had agreed to run a marathon this year and because of the world that we live in it had been decided to do virtually so this week i ran my virtual marathon and i, I should clarify in two parts it was i was allowed to do it in two parts they were very nice and gave you various options about how you wanted to do it so that's how i did it i mean that is a pretty good achievement considering this is the podcast we come on and talk about eating <laughs> thousands and thousands of biscuits or something and now i feel like i've actually got someone that's athletic and completely not the usual guest i get on here yes yes and me and mo farah are like one and the same i think mo's diet does mostly consist of baked goods as well i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's how uh us elite level athletes uh go now yeah. i i i'd say yeah a try hard a try hard athlete that, that that's how i describe myself i don't know about technique or good nutrition well and in terms of like as in healthy nutrition i'm all about nutrition but not necessarily have the nutrition, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Usain Bolt is famous for saying that he ate some chicken nuggets before his Olympic race. So maybe the burgers are just the same thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and the clogged arteries are just, you know, a mild inconvenience afterwards. (laughs) Well, just before we get into the uh, bread week stuff and everything that went on in the Bake Off tent this week, I just wanted to put into perspective, you know, our our lives a little bit. You're out there doing 26 miles and celebrating with a burger. Uh, And for me, yesterday was such a long and stressful day not for any reason it was just one of those days where lots of things came up and you're like really why is the universe doing this to me everything just sort of was taking too long or or whatever and uh, yesterday evening it got so bad that when I went to pick up some dinner from the supermarket I ended up falling uh, victim to the Christmas chocolate aisle that they already have out in October I know Uh, and I found that they're now doing Terry's chocolate orange segments but with white chocolate instead sorry I don't understand that so no so the, so the chocolate orange yeah is no longer a milk chocolate it is white chocolate and orange yeah well you still no. get a milk chocolate but it's a special one so is it just for Christmas why is it, I don't understand but Terry's chocolate orange is for Christmas it is but so I think it's probably an expert bit of marketing. People love a novelty type chocolate. This year we've had things like chocolate orange twirl, white chocolate Twix, and now they've gone for Christmas, a white chocolate Terry's chocolate orange, obviously to just pull people in. And it, it pulled me in. So I've, I've definitely fallen victim to that marketing. How many? How many did you buy, Greer? Well, so I bought a bag of the segments because you can buy the little segments. So I didn't I didn't just go full on this day has been horrible. I'm going to buy myself a full chocolate orange and eat it. But what I actually did wasn't much better. So obviously we have to be COVID safe going in the supermarket, wearing the masks, hand sanitizer, all of that. But I was so just fed up of the day that I ended up going in, obviously with a mask, buying my Terry's chocolate orange segments and then wanting to eat them while I was in the car. However, I hadn't hand sanitized my hands. So I didn't just wait until I got home. I ripped open the bag. And then, you know, like when you were younger and you had some crisps and like the crisps were left in the bag and you sort of like chugged the crisps from the bag. 
Yeah, I did that with the Terry's Chocolate Orange segments. See, the really upsetting thing for me there is you said <laughs> chug the crisps like when you were a child. <laughs> so I'm now very much aware that when I consume crisps in the way I consume crisps, because how do you get the last few crisps out of the packet, Gria? It's either, to be honest, this, again, paints me in a rather disgusting light, but you've either got to chug the crisps or if you're sort of... Well, I guess I'm not eating crisps in public, but, you know, if if you want to be a bit more civilised. <laughs> it's an vice that you have, that you have to, you, you can't eat crisps in public. It has to be a private uh, consumption. Well, Rhea, should we be calling someone for you? Maybe. Like, this entire... This entire story uh, doesn't paint me in a good light. But instead of <laughs> instead of crushing up the last bits of crisps and then chugging them from the bag, you'd have to sort of like lick your finger and put it in the oh. packet so the crisps stick to your finger and then you've got to, like a disgusting person, lick your own finger. But I've, I've seen people do think that technique where they, they don't just open the bag, they just like tear the a whole bag open and then they've just got free reign to pick it up. But that's, that's, just, that's just too much effort yeah. for me. That, that's, that's too far. I, I, yeah, so I just refrain and then I just chug them back. Amazing. Yeah, like, All right, like well, a civilised 30-plus-year-old human being. <laughs> well, well, I feel less bad about how I was obviously so ravenous to get into the chocolate orange segments that I just started eating them from the bag. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought, you know, we're both into food, but you have sort of trumped me with the exercise and running. So yeah, that that made me laugh yesterday. Enough of my terrible eating habit, uh, and we'll start talking about the Great British Bake Off. Now, Bread Week, as I said in the intro, is possibly my favourite week because Paul Hollywood, he acts like he's the king of bread. He acts as if he is sort of, you know, the only one that knows what to do with bread. He is the person that you go to for all bread tips and knowledge. Um, So he walks around the tent with a different air of superiority about him, I think. Yeah, that that's completely fair. I I think I think I love the comment from Noel uh, when he was chatting to Lottie, being like, "No one under thirty really eats that much bread anymore." And I know. And I've never really thought. I mean, I, I I love a sandwich, but I never go. I want a lot of flavour for my bread. I just like bread. Yeah. Like, why is it such a big deal for Paul? I don't understand. Yes, this. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is obviously like the uh, linchpin of his uh, personality now. And he's so defensive over it that he gets very upset when it goes a bit wrong. He wasn't that impressed this week, was he? No, but he had to, he had to sort of let people feel like there was a whole area of bread that they weren't sort of privy to yet. A bit like Scientology, you know, he only knows uh, the good bread secrets and you might be okay at creating your <laughs> soda bread, but you're not on the next level. You haven't paid to be at the top level yet. He is the gatekeeper of soda bread knowledge. He is. is that yes. But I feel like someone should tell him that... Uh, bread isn't a personality trait, much like uh, mums you see on Facebook saying that, you know, it's wine o'clock. Wine isn't a personality trait either. Well, why why is wine o'clock, gin o'clock, Prosecco o'clock? Why is this all things now? Have they always been things or have I just been oblivious to it? Or you know, it seems a, a peculiar, it's gin o'clock. I mean, to be fair, I did actually buy my mum a gin glass, which said, don't worry, it's gin o'clock. But I just lumping her into that mum embarrassing uh, category. So, yeah, it's just a strange, strange thing to associate with time. I I don't know if it started with uh, it's Pim's O'Clock, the whole ad campaign, but I think it's one of those things that it's usually parents, isn't it, that say that. I feel like maybe, you know, when you have children, you're just looking for your next drink because it's so hard to look after them. I was an absolute, was, is... uh, an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it, both past and present participles. Well, we've are, heard are... what you do with crisps, so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she has a lot to put up with. Uh, <laughs> right, so the first uh, signature challenge this week in the Bake Off tent was for the bakers to create two soda breads. Uh, they had to be free-form baked, so not in a tin, and one had to be sweet and savoury, and then they told them to make a specific type of butter as well. Butter was the most forget until you said that there the butter was the most forgettable element of the of a bake-off challenge i have ever seen did they at any point mention the butter 
when it came to the judging. Did they did they even reference it? I like saw some people um like making it look quite fancy and um one person made them into clover leaves and it was they looked nice, but at no point was I told how nice the butter tasted. No, and I didn't see them actually put the butter on the bread for everyone i mean they must do but it, it, i must have missed it it wasn't made as you say like a big big point they'd spent time actually putting it together but in reality prue and paul wanted to taste the flavor of the bread so what was the point in putting the butter on when it was just going to mask the flavor of the bread in the first place confusing soda bread's very confusing as well it is have you ever tried soda bread no not particularly i'm a quite a regular yeah i don't really think yeah. yeah 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 brown nice nice slice of brown bread Nice and easy. Well, I'm not. I'm a simple fellow, Greer. <laughs> well, so uh, soda bread is a weird one. I mean, I've only tried it because uh, my mum used to work in Marks and Spencers as I was growing up, and she would get mm. occasional deals from the bakery. And one of those that she was obsessed with, and I imagine it's because nobody else took it uh, off the bakery at the end of the day, were bringing home soda bread. And I don't know if it tasted that way because it was sat there for the day and no customer bought it. So it went a bit sort of hard, but it was really sort of crumbly, cakey. It, it, it wasn't like bread. It is a bit like a, a hard cake in a way. It crumbles in that way. So I'm not a fan of it, to be honest, but that could be because it's M&S reduced bread that had been sat there for ages. So I don't know if I'd take my own um, advice. I mean, the, the sweet soda breads looked very cakey, in, in all honestness. And, I, and at what, some point I thought, when does bread become cake? That is a good question. And I was, it was a very deep philosophical moment for me, Greer. Uh, <laughs> I was left wondering many a thing after well, that. When, when is a cake bread? When is bread a cake? Oh. Did you go a bit existential after that then? I questioned my own existence for a really? while, Greer. I was like, when do I become cake? <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you conclude then? Did you come up with an answer about when cake becomes, when bread becomes cake? And when, when Chris becomes cake. Uh, <laughs> Chris it, becomes it, it cake. Here's <laughs> a dark time for everyone. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's intricacies. You know, this again, why Paul Hollywood is in the position that he is in, because he has the answers to those questions, Greer, and we are not privy to them. No, I know. So maybe one, but I'll try and tweet Paul Hollywood. Maybe he can tell us. Um, but yes. I, I thought um, the contestants seem to really experiment this week. I think that, I mean, last week we spoke about on the podcast, um, we saw a shot on Extra Slice of all their test kitchens. They're obviously allowed to experiment and bake for the entire week and get their recipes ready for the the challenges in the day. But this week it really seemed, obviously because it's bread week, they wanted to impress Paul. They went all out with the flavours. Now, I'm just having a look at what some of them created. So uh, Mark, he did a Spanish sausage uh, soda bread and then a stout and chocolate one. That sounded good. Lovely. Yeah, you're you're uh, into your sort of like craft beers and eccentric alcoholic drinks, <laughs> right? Yeah, eccentric stouts, you know, the most exotic and craziest of all uh, beverages. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, I like a good, especially like a, a flavoursome stouts. Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah. if it's got a strong coffee element to it, oh, stouts can nice. be really beautiful. I think it's funny because I'm I'm very much a non-drinker, so much so that instead of stout, I've written stoat in my notes. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> stoat and chocolate. God, <laughs> that's uh, a little bit adventurous. Interesting combination. Very interesting. Imagine being the runner that was asked, Marky would like to make a stoat and chocolate soda bread. Could you go out and buy a stoat for us? Um, <laughs> if not, just find one and club it to death. <laughs> yeah, running around that stately home where the tent is. I'd watch that. That sounds even more fun than Bread Week. <laughs> so a few of the other flavours. We had Linda with a chilli and cheddar soda bread. Rowan had polenta oh, soda bread. Polenta. Oh, Mark had his Cornish flavours. I think he had kelp in one of them as well. Amin did a good salmon and cream cheese looking soda bread. Uh, yes. And then Lottie, I think hers was uh, one of my favourites. She did a blueberry and maple bacon soda bread. I mean, when she said maple bacon, I was I, I was like very much on board. Those flavours sound great. But I saw her bread and she just literally, it looked like she just, you know, scrumpled, scrumpled? Sprinkled uh, the bacon all over the top of her ke- uh, bread. And I was like, is that is that all you have to do to classify something as, do I just have to put ingredients on top of my ke- yeah. uh, bread? 
I'm not there. I know what you mean, because is, is it actually flavoured if it's just sprinkled on the top? That was one of Paul's comments, I think, that he'd have liked to have seen it go throughout, because when they cut into the bread, it mm. sort of all flew everywhere, you know, because it wasn't actually stuck on. It did yes. resemble those weird bacon bits that you get sometimes in like the Pizza Hut salad bar. I don't know if you've seen those. You get them next to the crispy onions. You get like crispy bacon bits, which is probably just ground up frazzles um, trying to make salad taste better. But yeah it, yeah, it reminded me of those. I don't want to like potentially offend you, Greer, but I don't think I've been inside a Pizza Hut since I was 16. Yeah, well, I still have memories from back then. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't avidly checking out the salad bar as a 16-year-old boy. I was very much... There's, there's only one reason I'm in Pizza Hut if I'm a 16-year-old lad. Is that to You've pick seen, up women? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> You've seen uh, the Lothario that I am, Priya. Uh, you can only imagine 16-year-old Chris was uh, an equal Casanova to his 31-year-old counterpart. And Absolutely. he just used uh, a fast food outlet as a perfect way to meet partners. Wow. And did it work? No, of course not, because <laughs> I can't imagine a worse place to potentially try to uh, engage someone in that manner. No, You know how they've got their own, well, you might not know because you haven't been in one since you were 16, but yeah. bear with. They have their make your own ice cream thing. So you know oh, yeah, yeah. No, everyone knows that. What do you think 16-year-old boys are doing in there, apart from the pizza, is the is the refillable ice cream. Yeah. So, okay. So you're using, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like the, the lever and then the soft-serve ice cream comes out and you have to make it in a nice, like, whip type thing. So you could probably stand near that if you've perfected your skills and then impress some of the fellow women out with their families. You'll be like, oh, I can pour your ice cream sorry, very I'm well. Sorry, I'm so confused by this situation you're painting for us, Greer. So. Right. This idea that 16-year-old me is, one, going to Pizza Hut for this uh, for this social interaction. Two, is decided that the most <laughs> the, the, the romance is in the air, at, you know, is peaking around the ice cream machine. So I'm, I, I, am I making my ice cream while I make eye contact with this poor girl? No, no, no. no they've come up, obviously, to use the ice cream machine. Okay. So you come over and sort of impress them by showing your soft serve ice cream skills no, I mean, that that sounds like one the most horrific uh example of mansplaining you could ever really get okay oh hi there lady are you having trouble with your <laughs> easy to pour can i just clarify <laughs> that this cream. is only fine if you it, you know you are 16 as well as the person this isn't advice i loved how you also identified that this poor girl it's not out with their fellow 16-year-old friends. They're out there with their family. And 16-year-old me has approached them and thought, <laughs> you know what? Still going to go for it, even, even though... How did, family... we, how did we get here? What did I do? Um, uh, you, you mentioned that you once saw something that looked like... Uh, Lottie's, yes, soda bread at Pizza Hut. What a ridiculous conversation <laughs> I've turned this into. Anyway, I, it sounds like a plot from The Inbetweeners. Come on. It does. It does. And to be fair, my teenhood did resemble The Inbetweeners uh, to, to a more or less degree. In the first Soda Bread Challenge, in the end, after all the judging of the amazing flavours that everyone has had, uh, Amin came out on top. I know they don't really rank them in this signature bit, but she no. did get the second Hollywood handshake of the season. Yeah. Um, but, but are Hollywood, do they mean anything now? Are they not just meaningless? They are meaningless, but I guess to the bakers, they mean something. But for the rest of us, it's like, oh, Paul, put your hand away. You've put yeah. it out for literally everyone for the 11 <laughs> seasons. Come on. It's not as special as you think. But no. a Hollywood handshake on Bread Week, that might mean something. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I feel like he's just he's just driven it too far into the ground. I know Bread Week's obviously his week, but I would prefer the Hollywood handshake to be replaced by something. Maybe mm. like a, a prue pat. Could prue just oh, pat people? That's good, a good idea. I feel like prue needs something because she can't just... Yeah. There's not an endless supply of, you know, 3D cut necklaces. That That's her thing. Um, <laughs> she needs something else. So a prue pat might be good, as you say. Or a push. Prue push. She just like pushes. <laughs> just pushes you. If it's so bad, she just is allowed to push you over. Yes. I like that. I think she'd be quite good at that as well. Hmm. Amin did come up trumps with her salmon and cream cheese 
soda bread, which sounded quite good. But when she was putting it together, she was sort of like, I don't know if these flavours go together or not. I'm just winging it. Do you think she knew that they were a good flavour combination and just was being a little bit hesitant? Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I am the uh, all for false modesty uh, when it comes for, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, uh, speaking on broadcast uh, products. But I think, you know, if you are in the bake-off tent, uh, and you've had an X amount of time to practice these recipes. I think you're pretty sure that they, those flavors do work. I mean, they weren't the most outlandish of flavors, were they? Paul said, you know, it basically tastes like a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, well, that's grand, but it's not like she was combining salmon with marzipan. It wasn't that. No. 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 It, it, it made sense that it would work. They did. That's true. You raise a good point that actually they are testing out their recipes. So when she was putting it into like the mixer or whatever and saying, oh, I don't know whether these work. Well, didn't you test them out and try it? So you're right there. It did give her a Hollywood handshake, though. So maybe that's a tactic that works. Yes. So moving on to the technical challenge this week, I think is a bit of a controversial technical challenge because it was to make six rainbow colored bagels and it had mm. to have a shiny chewy crust and they said obviously you had to boil and bake them which i didn't realize what you had to do for uh, bagels yeah. um but there were a few things that i found a bit odd about this challenge now first of all i've spoken on the podcast previously about how since the bake-off has been on channel four a lot of the bakes seem like a lot of the challenges seem like a fever dream someone's come up with them by looking at social media at too late at night if you know what i mean um instagram is the place to find things like rainbow colored bagels people think they look good to be posted on there but in reality you know they probably don't taste great they just look really cool so no one really is ever going to make those again so no. not a very no, accessible also the weird like i mean obviously in the time that we we, we are in now you know it, it, rainbow has obviously become a symbol for the nhs but also like i remember those people being like it also is very much associated with pride exactly and, you know, and it's just a bit, bit poor being like it now means the nhs and i was like oh. <laughs> It is a bit weird, isn't it? Because, you know, when coronavirus and the lockdown started in March, people were painting rainbows and children were painting rainbows as a symbol of hope. And, you know, I guess it symbolises the the sun will come through the rain and there'll be a rainbow and the world will be brighter and better again. But it is it does also seem like you're slightly erasing the fact that throughout history, it has been a symbol of safety and pride. And I saw people say online that, at one point and even now when when you see a rainbow flag you you realize that that place is probably a safe space and is probably with you know nice tolerant people that accept you for who you are whereas now they might just be celebrating the nhs or whatever it is really weird to slightly erase that history and now just you know everyone else goes oh this means the nhs they've sort of taken the rainbow away from what the original meaning was what's even worse now is it just means bagels doesn't even mean the NHS now. It's all bagels. Paul has taken it from everyone. <laughs> Poor Hollywood has ruined the rainbow symbol. Yeah. <laughs> he, it was weird, though, because it was a bit of a tenuous link anyway by going, oh, we're going to create rainbow bagels for the NHS. You know, next week they'll be creating, I don't know, chocolate Santas for Christmas or whatever and then tie into this is for mental health awareness or whatever. It seems yes. it just is really weird to link it i know that it obviously in tv land would have looked good but i don't know no one's going to be baking rainbow colored bagels no one's going to sit there and go i need to write this recipe down they they, and they didn't look good no no that was the weird thing usually most things i see on bake off i'm like i quite like to eat that yeah actually i do like to eat that and this week i was like i really don't want to eat that that looks what do i put on a rainbow colored bagel does it taste like a bagel what am I meant to do with the rainbow? I don't know. Yes, so many questions. It was. I, I feel like when I watched the rainbow bagels come up, I don't know why. My nan has lots of strange sayings and lessons that she's tried to teach me over the years. And one of the standout lessons was never eat blue food. And I'm not even, I'm not even joking. That is literally a pearl of wisdom from my nan because she doesn't well, what, trust it. What, what blue food would you eat, Greer? Let me, let's try, I'm trying to think of safe blue foods. I mean, blue, I mean, apart from maybe... 
Well, you'd eat blueberries, even though they're purple. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think, well, her words was that she doesn't trust blue food because she doesn't know what's in it. I imagine she was thinking E numbers or something. So mm. blue Smarties, she is very much against, you know, pre them changing it to a supposedly more natural flavor or whatever. And blue, blue candy floss, that's another thing. What else do you get that's blue? I mean, I mean, you've just named two uh, candy items, which which also come in numerous other colours. To be fair, does that mean your nan was fine with pink candy floss? I think she's fine with like reds and pinks and yellows, yeah. But it's blue because that's completely unnatural, I think, in her eyes. So rainbow bagel, she wouldn't have enjoyed. <laughs> All the other colours in that bagel are fine. <laughs> it's just like not that blue one. No, nan Get would have eaten that. around like in all the other colours, just left like the the twist of blue in the middle or something. Everyone's bagels, they didn't seem to turn out very well. Bagels, I don't think, are something that people... Um, it's not a, It's not a beginner baking task, is it? I mean, a bagel must come a bit later down your baking journey because it's not something that people make all the time. You know, it's no. not the sourdough that everyone started doing in lockdown. Not everyone wasn't going, oh, I'm going to make bagels because I yeah. guess it's quite hard because of the two different cooking techniques. Yes, and also you, you only... Whereas sourdough is like, you know, the typical bread, you know, you get lots of sandwiches, slices out of it. If you make a bagel, it's that, it's that, you know, obviously you probably make more than one bagel in one go. But it seems a lot more faffy and a lot more high high work for less reward. Definitely. I mean, I do love a bagel. I'd, I'd choose bagel over King's Mill or brown bread, <gasps> as you were talking about earlier. Really? Yeah. Why? I'd, I like the sort of more dense texture it is a sort of chewy texture and it's sweeter and i do like the the strange chewiness of the cr- the crust i guess if it's a crust or the outer bit of it i think i'd much rather have something in a bagel than something in a sandwich maybe i'm one of the weirdos that doesn't really eat bread as noel was alluding to at the beginning yes well that, that's a fair point because you're getting less bread for your buck with a bagel that's true than, a, than an actual slice of bread do you, do you put on like a funny New York accent when you eat your bagel as well? No, like, but next time I do, I'm going to try it. Good. I feel like it authenticates the experience a bit more. This obviously is the technical challenge, so it's really the first time that the bakers are sort of ranked and you can kind of maybe see where the opinion is swinging for the person that's going to go out this week and the one that's going to get star baker. So Rowan, I mean, last week there was a bit of controversy with Rowan anyway in Biscuit Week when... He probably should have been the one to go home, but Mac had to go home instead because obviously we were keeping him for telly purposes. Um, but Rowan I mean, did come in last for the technical. He did, but Rowan does wear very eccentric waistcoats. They, I mean, are, they are they are very... I mean, does he wear a different one every time he's on telly? I imagine so. I imagine he's bought quite a few for each appearance up to the final. He would have bought with him the outfit that he'd wear to the final if he reached the final because they're all in (laughs) isolation. So he would have had a special, maybe a light up waistcoat. You never know. That's the dream. That's the dream. Would you wear a waistcoat like Rowan's? You seem very taken aback by them. Um, Yeah, I have have, uh, a waist. I have one waistcoat, uh, which uh, has made its has been used a few times at oh. like uh, smartish events. Um, not 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 the you know, extravagance that Roan has, uh, but a light up one. I think light up one would be a game changer. I think I'd be very much interested in a light up waistcoat. That'd be good. I mean, I'm a bit. I'd be a bit weirded out maybe if, you know, some of my friends, you, like say we met up and you came in a waistcoat, I'd say that's quite a bold choice. Waistcoats yeah. usually just worn sort of, you don't really want to wear them, but it's part of a wedding dress code that someone's made you buy one or something. So you end up wearing a waistcoat there and that is all. But just in everyday life, if you came... Oh, no, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear it if we were like going for lunch. Yeah, if we were just heading uh, out to a Pret-a-Manger and you turned up in a waistcoat, I'd be like, well, that's bold, but okay. Yeah. But, but I've made a statement now, Greer. You, you are you. you yeah, so, so I've registered. So, if, if I've made a statement in this hypothetical situation, which won't happen because I don't wear waistcoats that often. I thought you were going to say that won't happen because you don't want to meet up with me and go to Pret a Manger. <laughs> <laughs> really don't like Pret a Manger. Uh, How no, dare no. you? That's like my favourite <laughs> place on and that, earth. That is where I draw the line, Chris. Exactly. Can't be friends anymore. This podcast is over. <laughs> you can tell me you don't want to meet up with me or see me ever again, but never insult Pret-a-Manger. <laughs> I feel like that's very on brand for me. 
<laughs> oh man. Right, moving on to the best part of every Bake Off episode, the showstopper mm. challenge. And this week, I mean, where do they come up with these challenges from? Because this one was just weirder and I've had to write it down because it's about three sentences long um so they asked the contestants to make a large decorative bread plaque about yes. one of the things you're most grateful for but it had to be in sort of a traditional harvest festival theme um and I didn't know if they said wreath I've written down the word sheath which is definitely not the right word no, yeah, they, they were all it was it was it, yeah all the um, all the breads were served in sheets. It was like a, a weapons sort of a vibe they were going for. Oh, I get it now. That's not what I was thinking. So sheath was the right word. Yes. Fantastic. And uh, then they just had a really awkward scene where Rowan had to commit, uh, what's that Japanese word called? Uh, haraku? That thing that Japanese samurais used to have to do when they, when they lost to take their own life. Oh, God. I don't know. I have no idea what that word is, but are you basically saying that Ro- Rowan lost and then was he forced? Yeah, to, to try and take his own life with a wooden, uh, with a bread sword. Oh my god! I mean, would that have been after his appearance on Extra Slice on the Friday? <laughs> I feel like tr- the the attempt is actually uh, physically impossible to to do. If if anyone's listening and worried about Rowan's actual health, uh, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Bread does not make a particularly useful sword. No, I wouldn't use it in, in battle ever, if I ever needed to go into battle for something. I feel like I've seen baguettes used quite a lot in movies as like a as a sword. Really? Yeah, as, a, as like a jokey sword. Not like as in a, you don't see, you know, it's not like in Game of Thrones and Jon Snow's <laughs> like hacking his way through the undead with a baguette. <laughs> Although, saying that out loud, I would love to see that. Me too. I would, yeah. I feel like I should ask our listeners... If you can think of an example where a baguette has been used as a sword in a TV show or a film, please let us know on Twitter. The plaques or the the Harvest Festival sheaths, they had to be for something you're most grateful for. And now I think everyone took that, some people took that more seriously than others. Um, Linda did a farm scene with a tiger bread that was sort of grateful for a childhood memory of going to help out, I think, her grandparents on the farm. Yes, where she said she drank milk straight from the cow and um, Noel gave her a very strange look. I mean, the the image that I got when she said that was something that I didn't really want to think of again, but I just have now and it's not very nice. <laughs> no, and I feel very sorry for those poor cows. Me too. Um, Rowan, I think, I don't know if he thought I'm on really thin ice. Last week I, you know, got through and I sent home a really lovely, wholesome man and the public hates me. Or he just really wanted to go out with a bang because he created uh, a big pear tree out of like a blue cheese type bread. I think it might have been a brioche and it was to reflect the arts. Massive tree. He's from from Worcester, isn't he? He is. I thought that, that it was all part of like that celebration of like, you know, he's very proud of of being from that part of the Midlands. And, you know, I, I've been to Worcester and I was like, at no point have people been like grabbing me in the street and professing their pride over, <laughs> over Worcestershire. Yeah. I mean, like this, I mean, it's a very beautiful part of the country, but at no point have they been like, look at our fantastic trees or look at our fantastic. I don't feel like how it really represented Worcester or Worcestershire no and the thing is it was just so much bigger than everybody else's bake that he needed um Noel to come and help him lift the massive board like the big bit of wood that he had to actually carry it up to the front and it didn't really fit on the table in front of the judges no but but I always it is always like that thing with Owen is like why does he do this why does he make it so (laughs) complex and so big uh and they're just like, we just want some things that taste nice, Rowan. Exactly. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be the size of the table. No, it doesn't have yep. to have your waistcoat on. It doesn't have to be <laughs> all these bright colours or, you know, you've made it too extravagant. Brilliant ideas, but the execution, you know, isn't good. But actually he did, to be fair, he did finish his tree on time, finally, a recipe that he finished on time. And it looked very good. Yes. But they did say it was a bit bland and they couldn't really taste the blue cheese at all. So it didn't really live up to the the flavour or the expectations. And they're judging the bread, aren't they, rather than the design in the end. Well, I think they should be doing 
I think I think uh, to be fair, he should have got a bit more credit for the because it's a showstopper. Yeah. And like uh, Matt said, it looked like a showstopper, whereas some of the others maybe didn't look that showstoppery. If something was to stop the show, it would have been hmm. that massive tree that he created. Thank you for bringing us that up. Why are they called showstoppers? I know obviously the show stops after that, after that, but <laughs> like it doesn't properly stop after that. No. What, I don't understand. I guess they're meant to be so good that it stops you, the viewer, or the judges, <laughs> everyone in their tracks. And they're like, oh my God, that that's amazing. I guess that's the showstopper. Like you stop watching the show briefly and go, whoa, look at that bread sculpture. Yeah. Maybe. Turn off the TV now. I've, I've seen too much tree bread. Exactly. Yeah. Collect myself. <laughs> yeah, I just need to take <laughs> a few moments and do a few breathing exercises. <laughs> Looking at some of the other showstoppers, um, Amin, who got the Hollywood handshake in the Signature Challenge, she created a journey back to France. So it was nice fields, a tractor. Um, there was a French road yeah, sign tractor, on there. Tractor is such a generous word there, Gria. It did not look like it. It looked like a car that had come off the road. Well, if you had to design a tractor out of coloured bread, would yours look yeah. any better? But but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Again, they've had time to practice or, you know, to, to potentially prepare yeah. this. If you can't make a tractor out of bread that looks like a tractor, don't make that tractor. Well, That's my advice to don't anyone. Don't make that tractor. <laughs> Just don't do it. So um, it made me laugh because uh, I grew up in Dover, so there'd be lots of sort of short school trips or just day trips if someone got a deal on the Euro Tunnel or something over to France. But because... We would you were driving there. You never actually got to go see the really like beautiful bits of France. No offense to France, but you'd just go around to, to Calais, maybe Boulogne to the aquarium, um, and yeah, you'd end up going to City de Europe, the massive supermarket. So I feel like her journey through France was a lot more idyllic than if I had to make a journey through France. It would just be the massive supermarket, perhaps a few of my school friends feeling not too well on the ferry, just maybe an argument on the coach. How would how would that sort of take form though um well you'd have to do do the big supermarket you probably have to do something with a trolley just with loads mm -hmm. of croissants and stuff in people on school trips usually got a list of things that their mum wanted them to buy um because it was cheap so mm. there was one time i went over and i bought a massive baby bell <laughs> which <laughs> is a highlight from my childhood well um, i can see why but i mean I'm, it was bigger than my hand it was probably like um just trying to think of something circular like maybe the size of a pan lid bigger than a dvd it was huge <laughs> so you, my mum uh obviously thought it was cool but she then sort of like sliced bits of it like it was an actual proper cheese rather than mm -hmm. like a kid's snack so that was probably one of my highlights maybe i'd make the circular massive baby bell out of bread that's quite yeah. good shape it's not like i'm creating a tractor guess i'd have to do like a seascape for the ferry probably really wouldn't attempt to do the ferry itself endless possibilities yes um, you've got to play with yeah exactly so Going through a few of the others, Peter, who is my favourite, and I was sort of hope that he would be winning the entire thing. That's what I've said so far. He created an Edinburgh cityscape, complete with some of the buildings, but with loads of like sesame seeds or yes. something over the top. Um, poppy seeds. Top, and then they were like, was, uh, did he do like a weird bagel-y thing for this one as well? Oh, he did use bagel dough, didn't he? That was what his type of bread was. So I guess all of it to retain its shape was boiled. So it was all bagel. It was all bagel. All bagel. Uh, we had a few people doing their house. Dave and Lottie did their house. They're grateful, obviously, for their friends and family. Sura, she did a uh, tomato vine on yes. a bread. And, and I mean, it looked good, but in comparison to some of the others, that wasn't very technical. No, but then you, you, I, when when they talked about what she put in the tomatoes, that sounded amazing with like the feta side of it. So. Yeah. And she also has the most fantastic facial expressions of anyone on Bake Off. <laughs> she does. She's she, very expressive. There's worry on her face all the time. She's worried. She's startled. She's she's anxious. I feel like I'm I'm living my life through Shira's face. Amazing. What a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Living vicariously through someone on TV's facial expressions. Yes. Did you have a think about 
maybe what you'd make if you were in the tent doing a bread sculpture and you had to create something that you're grateful for? Oh, what am I grateful for? It's See, a weird just, one. Yes, it's, it, it makes you. I always then feel bad because it's like if I don't say like the obvious, you know, friends, family, mm. they all feel slighted. Um, but then I'd probably be like a big beer. Let's be honest. That's good. It, it, it would be beer. I'd have to be honest. Alcohol. Um, I'm very for alcohol right now. So it's a massive pint. That would be quite good. Yes. Not not very creative. I don't. Maybe like the bubbles would have to be some like uh, a different type of bread. Yeah. Some some small brioche like ish bread. Wow. That that would be good. That's where I'd be going for. Yes. Would you put alcohol in your bread like we talked about the stout slash stout earlier? Yes, and well, um, your favourite did put like ginger beer into his bread didn't he that is true he did so that that sounds pretty good yeah i know i've described an absolute picturesque french calais scene um but i did sit you you, you, agree you can't beat uh, a wheel of of dairy lee not dairy lee baby bell baby baby bell cheese that's bigger than your hands there there can't be anything you're more grateful for than that that has got to be the highlight yeah Exactly. That might have, I, my life might have peaked at what, <laughs> age twelve when I was in year seven and bought the massive baby bell. Necessarily know if I can trump that, uh, but I could possibly trump uh, a story about massive cheese. Go on. Um, so again, uh, back in the famed days when my mother worked in Marks and Spencers, and there was lots of competitions and uh, reduced items that she could possibly get. So it was quite good for like perks. And one of the ones. Um, there was a competition about is I don't know if it's because someone ordered it and then decided they didn't want it so there was just a surplus but there was such a thing as a cheese wedding cake oh yes and so what's how did it work the cheese wedding cake was it a cake made of cheese or was it a cheese cake wedding cake if that makes yeah so it was a cake cake made of cheese rather than a cheesecake Imagine the cheese before it's cut into individual portions to go in the supermarket. So you've got the big round sort of, mm. uh, I'm not sure what the technical term is, but the, the big round cheese. <laughs> I think they're called, um, just called wheels of cheese. Wheels, yeah, there we go. So it would start off, so you'd have tears on your wedding cake, wouldn't you? So it would just come with um, different sizes of cheese wheels and there'd be different types of cheeses. So one was like a nice mature cheddar, there was a red Leicester, maybe a mm. double Gloucester, uh, a, a brie, uh, Wensleydale mm. and cranberry, until you got up to like a tiny little wheel at the top, which was a tear. And then basically yeah. you just stack it all on top so it looked like a wedding cake. And there was a competition to win it at the Marks and Spencers that my mum works at. And for some weird reason, my mum ended up winning the raffle. So... <laughs> she ended up bringing the cheese wedding cake home. And so she lives just with my sister. And my sister is a very picky eater. So she wouldn't have eaten any of the cheese. So my mum had an entire wedding party's cake made of cheese to herself. Um, mm-hmm. That I mean, that was another memorable moment in my life. Maybe they're all related to food memorable moments. Yes. I mean, you don't sound particularly grateful for that moment in your life here, which is sort of the whole, the whole like you know uh basis of this challenge so is it was would there be something that you're grateful for that you would bake does it have to be related to food it doesn't no, agree i i think you you you, you fixated <laughs> <laughs> no one has forced you into this cheese wheelhouse that you found yourself in um you can it can be whatever you're grateful for Rhea. So if I if I was thinking about it, I'd probably make like my nan and granddad's out of bread, but probably with terrible likeness. Because if I'm going all uh, soft, I'd say they're what I'm grateful for. Um, you mean soft as in emotionally soft or soft as in soft bread? Emotionally soft. Oh. If I'm going a bit sappy, I'd have to bake. <laughs> uh, I'd, oh, I'd definitely bake nan out of blue bread. Just, just, just to add insult to injury. Yeah, just for some comedy value and... Well, she wouldn't be very happy, so I guess my beautiful bread sculpture she wouldn't approve she, of. See, see, this now makes me think, because uh, Dave did his family yeah. Uh, yeah. house. Yeah. That means yeah. you end up, obviously, I know I know it's just a depiction of your family, but you end up eating your family. Is that yeah. not, a little bit, not a little bit weird? Mm, a little bit. Would you get, I guess you could give uh, each individual their own sort of bread bit of bread so that you've made yeah so, so that that makes it less weird i than think you so eat. okay 
I think people would then get annoyed if you ate, you know, if I ate granddad, Nan might be annoyed. Why didn't you eat me? <laughs> Shouldn't she be happy that you're not eating her? Possibly. Maybe if it was blue, then then definitely. At the end of the episode, obviously, uh, we found out that Rowan, unsurprisingly, was the one mm. that was going to go home. Do you think he was the right choice this week? I feel like it should have been the choice last week. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, he, I mean, he, he's a great character for the show. He will be missed. You know, he's very sweet, very nice guy. Uh, just, just not particularly up to the baking standards that are required to be on the Bake Off. But yeah, no, I can't. I can't disagree with that decision. Definitely, I agree with you. And do you have any standout favourites? I mean, I've said mine's Peter. I'm still backing Peter for the final. But is there anyone that you think will be in the final three? Oh, so prob- uh, probably. I don't know if she will be in the final three, but she's a favourite of mine. Is Lottie? I think Lottie is a really interesting uh, person. She's she's got like a uh, lots of looks about her where she's like she. Those are looks that can kill. She can. She's definitely got that. <laughs> she's got a, a very sarcastic side, which I like. Yes, yes. I feel like if I met her, you know, and and we got on, we'd be very good friends. But if I was a bit irksome, she'd let me know about it very quickly. Definitely. Whereas I think someone who I really, really like, and I think probably will make the final three. Uh, touch wood is Marky. I think, or another, the other Mark as well, Mark. Is he just is Mark? Just Mark. He's allowed Mark. to just be called Mark. Well, he spells his Mark correctly. He spells Mark with a K. Yeah. Whereas Mark C, Mark E spells it with a C. Uh, but yeah, that moment at the end of Bake Off uh, at Bread Week when his daughters ran up to him and gave him a hug. Oh, it was so cute, wasn't it? I mean, welled up. I honestly did well up. It was just too. Also, I didn't realise he only had one leg. This was the first episode I realised. No, he only I didn't. Had- I didn't realise that. I guess I guess it's not the focus of the show. But when no. he he was creating, I think in the little VT at the beginning, he did talk about having an accident, didn't he? And yeah, I, I was surprised. And then um, there was sort of talk about why is he why has he got his daughters there? It's you know the family rule of six or whatever due to coronavirus. But it turned out that actually uh, his daughters were part of the Bake Off tent with him. Um, I think because he's a single dad. So they came and obviously stayed. And I'm, they, I must imagine they're having the best time of their lives, staying <laughs> in the Bake Off tent with Paul Hollywood and stuff. And, and dad's doing really well on the Bake Off. It must be so fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, I, I imagine maybe it's different for, for sisters, but I've got a younger brother. And I can't imagine too much worse than being isolated with just <laughs> me, my brother. <laughs> and in this scenario, if my dad had been a baker... You know, just the three of us. I can imagine that just being absolute hell. Maybe. You'll be getting on each other's nerves all the time, probably. Yes, we have no one else to interact with apart from each other. That's true. But then I wonder, what do they do? So, Well, I guess, do they go to school? I guess not. I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, you know, when Dad was off doing the baking, is there someone in the production team that's having to A, homeschool them, or B, <laughs> set them like colouring or something? <laughs> imagine if that was your yeah again the intern's task you know you you finally got onto the show of your dreams and they're like okay we know you've trained to be uh, in media production for the last four years but really what we need you to do is teach these children secondary school uh, maths exactly just just teach them about trigonometry yeah that'll be fantastic put a few youtube tutorials on make sure they're doing some homework i mean (laughs) i would not be able to stick that job out no no uh sounds Sounds yes. I'm sure. I'm sure Channel Four are educating the children. <laughs> Possibly. I just like the speculation. Oh yes. man. But yeah, you're right, Marky. I I would like to see him in the final as well. I think he's very cool, um, and he does all of his Cornish flavors and stuff. So it would be nice to see him go through to the end. Next week is Chocolate Week, mm. which is quite exciting. As a chocolate lover, I think that's going to be a good one. I'm not sure about chocolate week as a as a week theme because we've had we've had biscuits yep. we've had bread what was what's the first week again cake cake that's that's annoying um, <laughs> just a bit embarrassing yeah, but like as a, as an as a theme of a week how how does you, you don't chocolate's an ingredient it's not something you you bake yeah so how come i mean obviously you run out of things to bake quite quickly don't you 
because I can't really name too much other things apart from biscuits, cake and bread that you bake. Yeah, I guess you could do pies or something. Yeah, well, yeah, and they are, they must have a pie week lined up at some point. Probably. It's, I know what you mean, though. Chocolate is the ingredients. It's like if you did a mango week. I mean, last week seemed to be a bit of a mango-themed week, but it's as if you just picked a, a random ingredient out of the hat. Ginger week, you know. Yes. So chocolate, maybe they're going to make some actual chocolates, like chocolate truffles or something. So Do you, do you bake a chocolate truffle? Mm, I don't know. You t- it tends to be one of those things that you put in the fridge, isn't it? You mix things mm. up and leave it to set in the fridge. So maybe not. Do you not miss the educational aspects of Bake Off? I don't know. I've- Am I that sad that I miss Sue sort of going off away from the tent and having a chat with someone about how they used to make cakes back in the day? I mean, it was very BBC, wasn't it? Well, you are talking to someone who is who's very much a member of the uh, the corporation family. Well, then I'm going to say yes, I do miss them as to not to <laughs> offend you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, people aren't people weren't really watching the Bake Off to learn necessarily what different types of bakes were. You kind of learn as they cook and they can throw in little bits of knowledge. Like Paul comes up and says, oh, well, your soda bread. Oh, I did say a bit at the beginning that was about you need to put baking soda or buttermilk or something in, he did say. So that you do learn a little bit as they go along rather than... Where's the history of the, of the soda bread, Greer? Where, where does it come from? Why did it, you know, take the form that it is? And should we yeah. meet Jim from Ireland, whose family has been baking it since the 16th century? Yeah, Good. He's yeah. a fascinating individual, Greer. Okay, maybe. Maybe yeah. you should write into Channel 4 and say that you miss it. I, I, I love the fact you assume I haven't already done that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing so on a weekly basis. I'll have to look on your Twitter page just to see if you're one of those people that talks to celebrities and corporations via Twitter and thinks that they care. <laughs> Whereas I know with a handwritten letter, they definitely do. Definitely. That'll be put up on the wall somewhere. Yes. Not just immediately thrown into the shredder. No, not at all. That's pretty much Bread Week covered. I'm looking forward to Chocolate Week. It should be a good one. Thanks, Chris, for coming on to In The Mix. It's your first appearance. It'll be good to get you back on at some point. That'd be fun. Yes, let's stir it back in. I promise to not uh, go off on a tangent about how you possibly could have met some uh, potential girlfriends at the age of 16 in Pizza Hut. Again, we'll leave that just in this episode. While they're out dining with their families. Yeah, that was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thanks, Chris, for coming (laughs) on. (laughs) Yeah, next week we'll be back with all things chocolate.